these weapons, he says, these weapons, the, the weapons of all them, they are mighty in God for number one, for pulling down strongholds, they pull down strongholds, they cast down imaginations, and they every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And so all of those things, uh, it, it talks about three things. Cast down uh, strongholds, cast down imagination, and every other thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is the thing. A lot of things in our lives already have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. Already, we are born in a world which is in rebellion to the word of God. And so where he says you are healed, you enter into a world that you are born in a hospital with the doctors surrounding you, checking whether there's anything wrong with you. And they are prodding and poking and they are looking for something that is already wrong with you. We are born in a world that is already at odds with God. Amen. And so now, it is our business to understand that everything we perceive with our flesh, most of it is actually in opposition to the word of God. And our work is to bring those things down, every argument, to cast it down so they can align to the word of God. And I asked them, we were in the car driving, uh, to go home, get ready and come back. 
and I asked them, who is going to talk to, who is going to pray about the rain? And so they prayed. And they said, God, please stop the rain so people can come for the praise night and all of those things. And I asked them, so who is going to talk to the rain? Because it's one thing to give responsibility to God and stand here. So I asked them, who is going to risk and actually talk to the rain? And tell the rain to stop. And kids are kids. They are not like us. We don't, we, they, they don't reason much. Pastor said, talk to the rain. So they started competing. They said, in the name of Jesus, rain, I command you to stop. So I told them, why don't you stop the rain until, you know, midnight when people are coming home. And I did not think that they thought of that. Because during the meeting, one of them came and said, is this meeting supposed to go to midnight? I said, no, no, no. Why? He said, because you asked us to stop the rain till midnight. He said, no, no, it was so people can get home in peace. And then the rain can continue. And so when they stopped the rain, when they said, rain, we asked you to stop. This is what happened. The rain didn't stop. And so they are looking at me and wondering, did our prayers work or what happened? And so I had to tell them, there is what you said and there is what you are seeing. There is what you have declared and there is what you are seeing. Now you must choose whether what you are seeing is the truth or what you say is the truth. And that is always the struggle. I put my hand on my head and I am still feeling a migraine. There is a migraine on me and my head is bleeding. And I prayed over my head and I said in the name of Jesus, headache, you must go. And then I opened my eyes and my head is still hurting. And so the question is, are the symptoms true or is the word of God true? And when you realize that there is those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, you get in your blanket and you say, and you say, I know that's a lie. I'm going to sleep. I will not sit up here and continue dealing with the symptoms. Symptoms must be the uh, lie. And so the warfare we are waging is not about the witches in your neighborhood. It's not about those. Those ones you can wake up and just deal with them. Let them go. They are there so they can be saved. They are there because of the light in you. But the warfare you are waging mostly is against truth and experience. Truth and lies. And so he says, we cast down imaginations. In other versions, it says, we cast down every uh, every pretense. We cast down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And that's what the Bible says, bringing every thought, bringing every thought into captivity and uh, the obedience of Jesus Christ. So every thought of mine, there is a business in the, in the spiritual affair of bringing my thoughts so they can be slaves to obey Jesus. And so when I am offended, before my thoughts would go crazy, how I want to kill you in seven different ways. But now the battle is to tell my thoughts, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless them and do not cast them. And so this is the word of God. And that is what my mind is telling me. And so initially, 
is abandoning me without belief. You know, because we have spiritual, we spiritualize these things. We say, I will love them from far. I will love you, I will forgive you, but I have learned my lesson. I will love you, I will forgive you, but I have discernment. The Bible says, walk with wisdom. I will walk with wisdom when it concerns you. I will let you offend me once. I will not let you offend me twice. In fact, there is a verse that says, um, you know, fool me once. <laughs> shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It's not a verse, but you know, we spiritualize all these things that are against like what expressing Christ has said. When he says, count it all joy. In fact, blessed are you when men, despite religious, you can see all men of false things against you. You are blessed. Overcome evil with the good, not be overcome with evil yourself. And so there is what the word of God says, and there is what my emotions are telling me. And so what shall I believe? And so the business of spiritual warfare, and I said this, we cannot gain territory outside if we have not possessed our souls, if we have not uh, gained territory inside. If the enemy still has territory in you, you cannot take his territory outside. And so then, he says, verse 6, and being ready to punish all disobedience. This word now about territory. Being ready to punish all disobedience. So you can look at a spirit that is uh, uh, binding people and you cast out that spirit. When you can walk into a room, when you can walk into a life that is bound by alcoholism, that is bound by curses, and you actually cast out those spirits. You can walk into a family that is an oppression and you release your grace to set free those captives. But then in yourself, the Bible says you can punish all disobedience when the obedience is fulfilled. And so really, we don't need a class on casting out demons. We need a class on actually uh, fulfilling our own obedience. That is the class. That is the struggle. That do we have full obedience in ourselves so we can demand obedience of creation around us. You see, children, they can command the rain to stop because they don't need to say, Jesus, please forgive us now of all the sins we did before the actual prayer. And that's what the Bible keeps calling us children. Those who receive the kingdom must receive it as children. Now, I want to give you several weapons. Several weapons. Because it is a tongue in terms of that uh, allow us to gain territory and to hold territory inside. Now, in, in scripture, we have nine gifts of the spirit. Those are the gifts that allow us to gain territory outside. Nine gifts of the spirit. Corinthians, first Corinthians uh, 13. Actually, 12. First Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts that allow us to gain territory outside. 
It says, um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of wisdom is not for you, it is for others. The word of wisdom is not for you, it is for others. It is given, another is given a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another a faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, another the working of miracles, another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, another different tongues, and another the interpretation of tongues. Those nine gifts, they are given so they can allow you to gain territory of time. And so when you walk into your office and you find that they are struggling with a problem, you can release a word of wisdom and all of a sudden you begin solving problems by the power of the Spirit of God. Many, many places you walk in, if you have the word of knowledge, you already gain territory there. You gain territory there. There's a time we, I used to go preaching, my servant, uh, another brother, we, we used to all go walk around in Bessema and East Lake and all these places. And I would go there and I would try to convince these people about Jesus. And you walk there and you tell them, hey, do you know Jesus? Have you ever gone to church? And many times you will sit there and they will preach to you. They will tell me, leave alone Jesus, talk about church, they are all stealing, they are all this and this. And eventually I would walk out of there very stressed and very frustrated. And I went back to God and I said, this is not working. What must I do? And he said, you are arguing them with them at their level. When you walk to them, give them a wonderful knowledge. And so I would walk to them and, uh, and, and God would give me a word for them. And I tell them, I see you crying. I see what you're grieving. And one of those people I went and we spoke to them about that. He said, I see you are grieving very recently. You've not even uh, done, done grieving. And she said, actually, my friend was hit by a train. The train truck just last week. And I don't know how to move on. And after that, we didn't even have to open the Bible. And that's how Jesus won that territory. He said, you are right to say you don't have a because you have had seven men and the one you have right now is not even yours. And she said, you must be a prophet. But Jesus has spent time arguing with this lady. He said, give me water. I won't give you water. Who are you? You are a Jew, a Samaritan. I can't give you water. But the moment Jesus released a word of knowledge, that lady said, you are a prophet. Whatever you want, I'm ready to surrender. And so these gifts, they are gifts that allow us to take territory outside. The word of wisdom, Joseph, he has a dream and then he gives a word of wisdom he says we should actually do this, we should gain grain, we should gather grain and then in the year, seven years of farming we should actually now sell grain and the king said you are the man, not only do you have dreams but you actually have wisdom. There are places in our work, we don't need to sow a seed to get promotion. We just need to have a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom to tell the boss, this is what's going on, this is how this can be so that they tell you, you are the man, you are the woman with the word of wisdom, go and handle that. These gifts, they allow us to 
to take territory outside. There are people who are stuck. They cannot take the next step in school, at work, in marriage, whatever. But they need a man or a woman who is full of the spirit and wisdom, who can give a word of wisdom, who can operate in faith, the person who can heal, the person who can prophesy. These things, they allow us to take territory outside. They allow us to punish disobedience. They are the tools for punishing disobedience outside. But then we have tools that deal with obedience inside. It says to stand already to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. And that's why we have Galatians 5, 22. Galatians 5, 22 talks about now the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. And I want to talk about the past several of them. I want to talk about the past several of them to understand that these are weapons that cause our hearts to walk in obedience to the word of Christ. Love being the greatest weapon. Love being the greatest weapon. How did Jesus overcome the enemy and, uh, and bring our hearts to surrender? He did the weapon of love. And this is a territory the enemy will fight you over and over again so you don't love well. Funny thing, we pray over many things. In fact, we pray over the gifts, but we don't pray about the fruit. Not understanding that it's a fruit that allows us to operate in the gift. Many people destroy with their fruit or after they are wrong, what they have built with their gifts. They destroy with their character what they have built with their gift. And number one is love. The greatest of this is love. And I want to say this. This is important. If there is someone in your world or in the world, dead or alive, that you would not willingly lay down your life for. If there is someone in this world or in the next that you would not willingly delay down your life for, it means they are blessed that you need healing. And this is the thing. We get wounded, we learn to walk with a limb. We learn to walk with a limb. We learn to walk with a scar. We learn to compensate and we learn to uh, allow that thing to define us. And you can call it Christian names. If your personality does not allow you to love people well, it is not your personality. 
You need to lay it down so you can have the mind of Christ. Because we do that. We say, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert. My sister was telling me there's even a different one. I don't know what they call it. I think between extrovert and introvert, there are people who swim between those two. And the thing is, there are things we call my personality. This is just my temper. I don't like people. I like my space. I want this. But what happened is someone wounded you and you decided to make a personality and an identity around an offense. Remember the command of Jesus is that you love, says a new commandment I give you. No longer do you need to love people as you love yourself. You must love people as I have loved you. That is the new commandment. And you see in the Bible, and whenever there is a need, it means the old is gone. And so the, the command to love your neighbor as yourself, that was Jesus saying, this is the Old Testament, a new commandment. I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love, no man has shown us this, that you should lay down your life for the other person. And so again, we go back. If there is someone in this world that you will not lay down your life, not tolerate, that you will lay down your life for, it means there is a place you are not yet healed. Because the standard is to love as Jesus loved us. I don't care what they did to you. It doesn't matter what they have done to you. Because I don't want you to walk in a life that is unhealed. And so what do you do? You go back to God. And you ask him by the power of the Holy Spirit to allow you to forgive. Because we do forgive people, but many times we are not healed. Healing and forgiveness are two different things. Amen? You see this? This was me cooking or trying to cook. And you know I go very well, of course. And so I'm there cooking, and I see the ladle, the wooden spoon, start going down. And I go to grab it, and all the hot water pours here. Now, I fixed that. But that did not mean that my wound was gone. You can knock your toe and get off your nail from a rock outside your house. You can remove that rock, but that doesn't mean your toe is healed. But many times, what we do, because we will not deal with the toe, we say, I will never go outside. My personality from today, I'm an indoor person. Or you say, if you're me, I will not be eating from McDonald's. I will, this house, this house, we are McDonald's people. We will never cook. And nobody ever asked, why don't we cook? Oh, because I was burnt. And what happened? You never actually dealt with that part. And so, there are places in our hearts that are not yet healed. And I, I don't know if I can insist on this enough. We are called to love as Jesus loved us. And if I cannot love, Pastor Florence, ready to lay down my life for her. If there is someone somewhere, a teacher somewhere, 
who called me names. And so it's not just that I've forgiven her and I want to forget her. No, but today I would be willing to lay down my life for her or for him. If that is not true, then there is a place I need to be healed. The greatest command is love. The greatest of this is love. And for us to actually gain territory in our hearts. You see the word of God. There is these things that raise themselves against the word of God. We must put them down. Because he says, love as I have loved you. But then there are these things we call, we spiritualists, we call them discernment. I have discernment against this lady. And so my discernment allows me to leave, to stay three rows behind because she has a bad spirit. She has a bad spirit. If I'm not willing to lay down for my life for a lady who has a bad spirit, there are places I need healing. Because actually that's the whole point. You are called to lay down our lives for sinners and the demon possessed. And so someone having a bad spirit is causing you to leave the church or go three rows behind uh, in the wrong profession. As a disciple of Jesus, our work is to lay down our lives for those whom the devil has oppressed. Love. Is one by one we gain territory in our heart. And how we know is that we are willing to lay down our lives for individuals who have injured us. And so there are people who cast out demons in people, but they don't love them. There are people who pray for you for healing, but they don't love you. And Jesus says, get away from me, I never knew you. They say, well, we cast the demons in your name, we pray in your name, we preach in your name. He said, get away from me, I never knew you. To know Christ is to know his love, because God is love. And this is how we know that we know God, John says, that we love our neighbor, that we love, there's no way you can say you love God whom you've never seen, and you hate your neighbor whom you see, or your brother whom you see. We know that we know God. Because love has been perfected in us. And then he says something. He says, perfect love casts away fear. And so I'm no longer afraid to love. I'm no longer afraid to love. I'm no longer afraid to risk. Because perfect love casts away as though she has injured me, I will love her as Christ loved me. And if I'm struggling with that, the problem is not her. The problem is a place I need healing. And I ask God for healing over and over again. If I see her next Sunday and my heart feels like jumping out, I pray for healing. I ask God to heal me because I do not want to walk around and build my identity around a wound. Uh, love. 
Joy. Joy. Joy is how we fight trials. Joy is how we fight trials. Love is how we fight offenses. Love is how we fight offenses. Joy is how we fight trials. Um, Romans, well, John, sorry. That's Romans too. Romans, if you want, we go to Romans. Let's go to John. John. Whenever there is a tribulation, 
begin to count this as joy. Because of some things that happened. And it says, for the trial of your faith, build patience, and give patience with character, and let patience have a full work, so that the man of God may be fully equipped. And so whenever we go through trial, This week, took my sister uh, for a driving test, and for some reason, they went and she fell on the mountain. And I thought, oh, how is this going to happen? Now, this is a big thing. Now, you see the problem with us. Every neutral looks like the end of the world. Now, I've got a driver's license. My wife has got a driver's license. People have been getting driver's licenses. Driver's license why you uh, invented. But now, I'm not getting a driver's license. I feel like, oh, my life. My life has come to an end. Do you remember? Count it all joy. It's a small trial, but count this as joy for you and for her. Because it's testing of your faith. If you will still rejoice in this, it means you have grown a little bit in your patience and you've grown a little bit in your character is Christ. And so, when a trial comes, then, you actually say, this is a good time for me. This is a good day. This is a good day. They don't like me, this is actually a good day. If they give me a finger on the road, this is actually a good day for me. Was I fired, this is actually a good day. Is my husband not talking to me, this is actually a good day for me. I will count this as joy. I mean, it's not the first time you have stopped talking to me. And I've survived that. And it's not the first person to stop talking to me. And I've survived that. And so, what is God teaching me in this? Once you begin counting joy, you will never lose your cool, no matter how all the trials come. Because what happens is that God is able to take you from now your issues and put you in people's issues so you can gain territory outside. And if you have not gained territory inside, you will be overcome by what's going on outside. And so then, when it comes to spiritual warfare, joy becomes a big important weapon in us because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you have not perfected and exercised the fruit of joy, you will never go affect other people out there with the strength because you will always be weak. So joy, you begin to exercise the fruit of joy in every trial. And some of them are very small. The pastor here is here, the microphone is not working. And you feel like you're throwing the microphone back to them and hit the guy at the meeting. Just count it all joy. Yeah? Stop fighting people. Count it all joy. You lose your keys. The police stop you. Count it all joy. How? There's a time I used to curse at them. Now I stay and say, how are you being officer? I have matured in patience. I have matured in character. There's a time if you cut me off on the road, I cut you off on the road. But now, you cut me off on the road, I say, God bless you. You can continue, the road is too big for us. I have matured. But the 
Have you realized when you decide to fast, that's when all things start coming against you? Yeah? Your car doesn't work, your husband doesn't talk to you, all of those things, it seems like your children, all of a sudden the devil has visited your house. Why do you think that is? Because it is not the devil actually fighting you, it is God now stretching your faith. You have said, I will fast. Now God wants to stretch that faith. So that when you come out fasting, you don't come out with nothing. Uh, but an empty stomach. You will actually, your faith, your muscles, you have stretched it. And you have learned how to be patient in trials. How to have joy in trials. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Territory here. Gain territory here. Before we begin demanding and asking for territory outside. Before we demand, start asking God to save our family. Let us first of all deal with the territory here so we can punish this forbidden outside. Before you start praying, God send my uncle. God remove all, 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 uh, all alcoholism from our family. That is all good. But it is easier. Once we have gained territory here and we are in obedience to the word of God, to actually punish disobedience. That we may start already to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Number three in Galatians. Galatians 22, 522. It says, uh, it's love, joy, and peace. Peace. Peace is a third weapon to deal with territory here. The Bible says, and let the peace of God rule over your minds. Let the peace of God rule over your minds in Christ Jesus. And we'll connect this. I don't know if you can find it somewhere. If they can be well and good, if not, uh, and let the peace of God rule over your mind. That's Colossians. Yeah? Colossians. Colossians. Colossians 315. Wow. Within this uh, teaching class, teaching service. Colossians, it says, 315. Wonderful. And let the peace of God. Do you have any other versions of the that Because that word rule, actually is the word for referee. It is the word for umpire. Let the word of God referee or rule or umpire your heart. And so the word of God usually is that what it means is the peace of God should have a dreaming, should have a wisdom over your life. Let the peace of God whistle over your life. And what happens, we are about to enter into the football season, what they do when there's a, when there's a tackle, there's like 15 men on top of each other. And they will never stop pitching and pulling hair and breaking fingers. Down there, in that part, a lot of bad things happen. In that part. Until they hear the whistle. They are told, play through the whistle. Play until they blow the whistle and then you blow it second, then you stop. And so, one tiny referee. Have you ever thought about this? 
And that peace, that dove, is also the work of the Holy Spirit. That dove is also represented in the Holy Spirit. And so imagine that you are ruled by a dove. You are ruled not by a vulture, not by a eagle. You are ruled by a dove. And says, let a dove rule over your life. How humble do you have to be? How sensitive do you have to be? To let a dove run your life. I mean, you could be ruled by a cockroach. I can see people, you know, doing whatever a cockroach wants. But a dove, I could easily ignore it or just wipe it off. The Bible says in, uh, in, in, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. He descended as a dove and rested on his shoulders.
be glad and what is good and simple concerning evil. Uh, amen. That you become simple when it comes to evil. You be naive in evil things. You don't have to know whatever that devil is doing. You don't have to know all that the, the celebrities are doing. You don't have to know that stuff. When it comes to evil, you are naive, you are innocent. But you be wise that's when our peace begins rolling in your heart. When you're about to open a website and you ask, is this where I'm supposed to, am I being led here like this? When you're about to enter into a conversation and am I being, should I be contributing in this conversation? Is the peace leading me? Is peace allowing me to actually be part of this conversation? Or do I just keep my, my, my mouth shut? And that's what he says in the Verse. He says, in the God of peace, the God who Himself is peace, will crush Satan. You think it's the God of violence who will crush Satan, but it's actually the God of peace who is able to crush Satan. When Jesus comes with the, the storm, He says, Peace, be still. But what had happened with him, he was asleep, he was at peace himself, and he was able to wake up and calm the storm. It is not until we have peace in our lives, it is not until we allow peace to rule in our life that we can command the peace outside of us. Understanding spiritual warfare does not begin with the demons and warlords and witches and covens and how to uh, pull down strongholds and all of those things. It begins with pulling down strongholds in us. That everything in me that is against the word of God, I begin dealing with it and asking God, let your word be the truth. And so when it says, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, and I'm realizing I'm not living a life of peace, I go back and ask God, where have I gone? I don't need to be confessing my sins every night. I could simply be walking in the light every step of the way. And so I want to be led by peace. I don't want to have to correct my, uh, my steps in aim. I don't want to have to go back and correct where I have walked the whole day. Where I could easily walk with him during the day. Where I could let the peace lead me. The dove. Now imagine what that looks like. Imagine what it looks like to have a dove here. You know, when you're taking a step, you must be careful that not only do you not scare away the dove, but that the dove is leading you. Because you don't want to go into places where the dove can fly off. You don't want to walk into places where the dove can go. When, when David asks for repentance, when he is repenting in uh, Psalms 51, he says several things. He says, do not cast me out from your presence and do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take away the dove, please. I've walked in places where the dove can easily leave. Please do not take away your dove. The things you listen to, the things you watch, the things we introduce ourselves to. And he's saying, please, whatever you do, do not take away 
The other one is patience. It's called also called long suffering. Patience. And so, uh, patience. You have to look this up for me. Jesus says, uh, by your patience, you shall possess your souls. By your patience, you shall possess your souls. By your patience, you shall possess your souls. By your patience, you shall profit this and grow something. By your patience, you shall possess your souls. And so, be a master of your own souls. Be a master of your emotions. Be a master of your intellect and your will. Those things, the way you become someone who actually owns these things that is not owned by them. The way you possess your soul that is your patience. The way you the Bible? Luke 21, 19. Luke 21, what? 19. Luke 21, 19. By your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, possess your souls. Whenever we understand long suffering, whenever we go through things, because there is there is uh, there is the faith that receives, and there is also the long suffering faith. There is faith that receives instantaneously, but there is also the long suffering faith. And there, there is a faith that allows you to receive the miracle right now. And there is a faith that God can trust you, something that will be done 25 years from now, or even after your long death. Those things, what he does, he is allowing you to uh, develop patience so you can possess your souls. So you no longer follow your emotions. When you feel saved, you are saved. When you feel not saved, you are not saved. When you understand it, you believe it. When you don't understand it, you don't believe it. Because your soul, your soul, your mind, and your emotions, and your will, they can run your life down. They can rule you. And so, for you to gain possession of them, for you to be able to hold them and say, you are mine, you will do what I say you will do. My, and he says, bless the Lord of my soul. I command my soul to bless the Lord. Not that it is good, but my soul, you will bless the Lord at all times. My soul will bless the Lord. And so, you possess the soul. You are not the soul. You are able to tell your emotions, we are going to jump. We are going to rejoice. We are going to love this person. Not because of how you feel, but because God has commanded it. You are able to tell your mind that you will believe this even though you have never seen it. And so possessing your soul where your soul does not possess you comes through patience. By your patience you shall possess your soul. Romans 5. Romans 5. Uh, verse 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace by which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. 3 4. And all that the years of glory in tribulations. We glory in tribulations, knowing that.
that tribulation produces perseverance or patience or long suffering. Tribulation, remember, we fight through tribulation with the joy, but when we go through tribulation, there is something that comes off. There is something we gain. We gain patience. We gain perseverance. Perseverance um, produces character, and character produces hope. Now, this is the thing. Whenever we understand perseverance, perseverance produces character. And so for you to be molded into the character of God, where you possess your soul, you must understand the role that uh, tribulation will play in your life. You must understand the role that tribulation will play in your life. And when you do that, it produces hope. And now hope does not disappoint you. Because the love of God has been poured out to your husband, the Holy Spirit was given to us. And this hope does not disappoint you. And so now, we are able to carry hope to gain territory in the world. We are able to carry hope into the world because we are going through tribulation. God could fix your problems like that. But he leaves them for you so you can mature in patience and you can carry hope to places where there is no hope. God could fix your marriage like that. But he leaves it so that through that you can develop perseverance and the character of Christ and carry hope to other people. And so Paul says, I asked God to take to remove the thorn three times and he refused. And he said, I've realized something that when I am weak, then I am strong. And so I thought I tell people, you pray, you pray now God to solve your problems. I can tell them that grace is sufficient. I no longer beat people up in the Bible. Paul is saying, I no longer tell people it's because they have not prayed or they don't hear God enough. No, I have learned that you can hear God and go to the next heaven, go to the third heaven, and you still have a throne. I have learned you could be all spiritual one, and there's still a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now, why would God give someone a messenger of Satan? Because this was not just a thorn, it was actually a messenger of Satan who was bothering this, uh, this guy day and night. And he went to the very throne and told God, please take it off. God said, he went back. So you could be a very perfect person and you still have a thought. And so he says, now I get it. I no longer boast in my uh, my, uh, my accomplishment. I no longer beat people up by how much I know. I have learned to carry hope to people who are feel hopeless or in despair. I can carry hope because I have learned patience. Thank you. 
last one is of control. We went love, uh, joy, peace, patience, and then we just keep to get on something. So we need to pride. The last one is self-control. He says this, a man without self-control is like a city without walls. It's a city broken down. A man without rule over his own spirit. And this is the thing. Remember I said people build their gift and then they destroy their character. Whenever you do not feel like you need self-control in your life, it's like people with guns. People with guns. Or an army that is ready to fight every enemy. And their walls are broken down. The enemy can come from any direction. The enemy can drop chaos on you from any direction. Do you think self-control is about you going to heaven? No. Self-control is about protecting your own life. Self-control is about protecting your own life. So nothing rules over you. I mean, that's a good when, when you go fasting, it's not even necessarily about prayer. It's about telling my body, I can keep myself from eating. I have control over self. You don't rule over me. When I say I'm going to sit down and study the word, it's not really even about the Bible. It is about telling my, my own body, you will sit down and do this. Because what I'm doing, I'm building a wall around myself. I am strengthening the places that the enemy can attack around my life. If you're going to wage war, if you're going to be mighty in spiritual warfare, you cannot ignore the role that self-control plays in your life. Because it doesn't matter how many guns you have. If your house people can see all the way from the, uh, from the street, they can even kill you with a stone and you have a gun. A man who has no rule, who has no self-control, is like a city without walls, whose walls are broken down. If you can be tripped by anything that flies, if you can be stumbled, you can stumble over everything that goes around. If the enemy can abate you like this and you are dead, you are simply, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much work you do, no matter how much you preach, you are like a city broken down and the enemy can attack you from your body. Your defense, your defense, you're only as strong as your weakest point. It doesn't matter how strong the wall is, if there's a place that is broken down, you're only as strong as that one. That's it. And so self-control becomes a part that we must exercise. And these things, we exercise them. We exercise them. We say it's a time for prayer. I know I'm tired and we wake up and pray. It's not because I need to gain things, but I'm telling my body it's time to do this. I'm building self-control. I'm making sure this body, my emotions, they don't rule over me. When someone calls me a, a dog, when someone calls me a, a monkey, whatever it is they call me, my, 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 when I exercise self-control and I say, I don't know how to call you monkey twice. What I'm doing, I'm building a wall around myself so the enemy will not find a place where he can throw his junk and his chaos at me. I am actually fighting a spiritual warfare inside 
referring to all fields. Otherwise, if I cannot deal with someone call me a monkey here inside me, when if I go there, they call me hundred monkeys and I'm preaching. The enemy already knows. You call him a monkey, he loses his head.
build your nose. Because he says, the Bible teaching us that denying ungodliness and what else, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And so, the more you learn to say no, the more you find you're able to say yes to God. And so you live soberly, not crazily, not drunkenly. You're able to say no to ungodliness, so then you can begin to walk like a sober person, making sober decisions. When you learn to say no, the grace of God appears and teaches you. And so when you submit yourself to the teacher of all grace, he says, say no to that. And you say, well, I'm not diabetic. No, no. Did you not drink sugar this week? And you say, well, that is not spiritual at all. You say, no, you're not dying diabetes, just stay away from the soda. And I'm not, that's not God saying, it's me. You know that, yeah? <laughs> I'm not speaking this prophetically. <laughs> and so, he said, I, I love soda so much, I will stay away from soda. I love watching news, I will stay away from news. Not because there is a devil, but I need to practice something in me that tells me you are not the boss of me. I can tell my soul today, you will not enjoy CNN. You will not enjoy Fox News or whatever news you want. Or will not enjoy that show. Today, you will wait on the Lord. And the more the grace of God teaches you to say no, and the more you allow yourself to build self-control, you are building layers upon layers of wall around your sin. And so if they break one, they will find others are still on. And so, for everything you learn to say no to, you build a layer of one. Yeah, then you build another one. Then you build another one. And so, if the enemy breaks this wall with a temptation, he finds another wall. Then he finds another one. If the enemy is breaking a wall and he is saying, Come, let's go hang out on Friday. And you're already saying, My Fridays are dedicated them to God. You don't even need to know what they were planning out to them. You don't even know what kind of dreams or what kind of women or whatever it is that they were planning because there was already a war so far outside. He could never get really to tempt him. And so, build layers of walls around yourself. Build another wall. Push it a little bit. And say, I really like child. This week I will go away with the child. I really like coffee. This week I will go away with coffee. Not that coffee is evil, but you are building another layer of saying, I know what can control me. I 